What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain I had a really nice dinner party last night, and when I was thinking about what I wanted to cook for dinner, I was like, hmm, how about I make some kettle and fire chili with my deconstructed chili dog recipe? And everybody came over, and most people hadn't had it, and they were like, ooh, deconstructed chili dogs, that makes sense. And they were all blown away. And I'll share my deconstructed chili dog recipe later on Instagram, but it's awesome. And the base of it, of course, is the kettle and fire chili. And all these things that kettle and fire have are based on bone broth. And if you haven't heard about it yet, bone broth is one of the healthiest things that you can ingest into your body. It's packed with collagen. It takes basically forever to make bone broth yourself. It's not like regular soup. Like you gotta boil the bones for days until all of the parts of the bones and the marrow and everything actually becomes part of the broth. And then you get the protein, you get the collagen, and you also get all of the great fats. So Kettle and Fire has been doing that part like really good for a long time. But now they've branched out into a bunch of these soups that are absolutely amazing. I just had their mushroom soup and I was like, damn, this mushroom soup is really good. So it's just one of those things that's now an absolute staple of my own pantry and actually something that I use when I'm even hosting a dinner party, you know? And so this is one of those food products that I just think everybody needs to experiment with. It's that good for you and everybody's behind it i mean all the big names and all the big names in health like dom d'agostino you know everybody's gotten on board with this program it's great for the gut it's great for your health overall and damn it's delicious they're like really knocking it out of the park i mean i just do not know anybody that is doing bone broth and keto friendly soups better than kettle and fire so please check it out that's kettleandfire.com slash aubrey you're going to save 15% off your order. If you order six or more cartons, which will go way faster than you think it will, then you get free shipping on that as well. So again, that's kettleandfire.com. That's K-E-T-T-L-E-A-N-D-F-I-R-E, kettleandfire.com slash Aubrey for 15% off. And again, get yourself six boxes. It's worth it. Try a bunch of the different flavors. They're rad. And I know you guys are going to love it. If you want a real life example of how the universe can conspire to help anything that you set your mind to, an intention that you have, or what some people would call manifestation, this is a podcast that will really illuminate that process and also reframe the way that you might look at competition and find out that when you reframe that idea, you might actually be able to compete better and win better. Colin Gwynn and Christy Woods are two-time 
amazing race veterans. The first time they went and they almost won, but they were much different people back then. And then through years of their own personal growth, they went back again and they won the damn thing. And so it was really cool to talk to them about their journey from the first time to the second time. And as well, Colin Gwynn is Whitney's brother. So I've gotten to watch their own personal transformation throughout the years. So really excited to share this podcast with you and open you up to all of the ideas they have to express. Colin Gwynn, Christy Woods. Now this is an interesting podcast because <laughs> not only are you guys, well, you're kind of celebrities because you were on The Amazing Race twice. And the last time you won, which is an incredibly interesting story, tracking the transition that you guys have made in your own interpersonal growth and intrapersonal growth. That's a really interesting story. But what else is an interesting story is you're Whitney's brother and sister-in-law, which most of you who listen to my podcast should know who Whitney is by this point. <laughs> so it's cool. We got a lot to talk about and I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks for stopping by guys. Man, thank you. Thank yeah. you, brother. Thanks for, for having sure. us. For sure. So, all right. You guys were just kind of doing your thing, and then you get this idea to go on the Amazing Race. How long ago was that? The first time we went on the race was 15 years ago. Yeah. And actually, they reached out. I had been Miss Teen USA, so they were casting. So you had your first little taste of that celebrity, you know, in the, in the camera's eye kind of moment there, young. Yeah. I mean, pretty young. Season season five. Well, no, I'm talking uh, about Miss Teen USA. Miss Teen USA, yeah. yeah. What are you, 19, 18? I was 18 when I won. 18? Mm hmm. That was an that's interesting experience. That's like Justin experience. Bieber. That's young, you know? Like, yeah. How, is, how do you handle that? Yeah, kind of for fame? sure. I, I didn't. It was like <laughs> immediately I realized, oh, wow. I. I know now that I, I just didn't have any roots. I didn't have that support that I didn't realize was required when you get thrust into the limelight in that way. So I was doing the best I could to keep my head above water. Yep. I did move to LA. I did um, some acting and I did a television series called New Adventures of Robin Hood. Lived in Lithuania um, six months out of the year filming that it came on TNT. It was brilliant. I played Rowena, a sorcerer's apprentice. <laughs> Christopher Owen was my, um, the magician I learned from. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so then that kind of led to getting called for the bachelor, bachelorette, all that kind of stuff. And in those days you just didn't do reality television if you were an actor. Um, yeah. but I'd gone back to school and meanwhile met this handsome guy and we'd moved to Corpus, graduated from college, and I got a call from a show called The Amazing Race that I'd never heard of. And just kind of turned it down right away, and then came home, said to him, oh, there's another show that called, he looks it up, sees that we're traveling around the world, we're doing all of these challenges that are based on the culture and, I mean, adrenaline. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, yeah. It was so in your wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. I was like, like no, no, you don't understand. Yeah. This is not Bachelorette. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we are doing this yeah. thing if yeah. we can. Yeah. yeah. So I called her back and I said, you know what? I changed my mind. Uh, we might be interested in doing that after all. Yeah. But then you still got to go through the whole process. You got to make a tape, and you know they do the whole narrow down. And we went from not caring to as we went through the process, like. 
really getting invested and be like, we really want to be one of the teams. Which that I'm get sure to do the this. producers want. And it's actually sure. like a little bit of emotional unbalance, yes. you know, yes. They, yes. they could smell that <laughs> yes. Your yes. hunger to win, oh, yeah. your inability oh, yeah. to handle pressured situations yes, in the exactly. optimal way. They're like, these guys are going to be great. They're going to be perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Ultimately, I think we got cast because the video we made. And this was real. We end up arguing at the end of the video. Like, and that's like as it fades out. As it right. fades out. <laughs> and they're like, yes, you're in. These and guys are perfect. Yeah. yeah Two exactly. type A's. Here we go. And they would ask, what, what's your main argument that you, I don't, everything. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. We are, it doesn't matter what it is. Occasionally we're not fighting for small <laughs> amounts of time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's interesting how much that idea of conflict really grabs people's attention and i think mm -hmm. it goes back to our like evolutionary biology of when there was conflict in the tribe like everybody needed to pay attention to that because the survival of the tribe depended upon these situations that could be explosive and could derail the tribe from like their own survivability at a certain level right that's so, right so it's like high stakes it's high stakes yeah. well now it's not as high stakes because everybody's kind of individualized we all have our own sources of income typically and we're not in these communities or tribes but we're still hardwired that when we see drama amongst people like we just can't take our eyes we pay away. attention yeah. yeah it's interesting yeah it's so true and they go through a casting process where they're not just looking at the dynamics of the teammates they're looking at the inner dynamics of the teams that are actually going on the race how they will show up so we do multiple personality tests iq tests physical tests they want to make sure you're actually mentally stable you may not look mentally stable but they want to make sure you are just stable enough just <laughs> stable enough exactly like not gonna punch anybody stable yeah. enough but and I think that's what they goes. were expecting the second time around, you know, was kind of more of the same. Like, well, we got to tell people the first, A's. we got to tell yeah. people what happened on this yeah. first one because <laughs> so, so let, tell us like, go through this first thing. Like, how did it go? Yeah. So I, I, it went, it was a blast and we were, I looked at it as like, this is an opportunity to potentially win a million dollars in a month and yep. we, we should win at all costs. And we should think about nothing else but winning. That's what a, that's what a man knows. That's, that's really what we're taught, <laughs> yeah. right? Like and from like, the start. I'm going to pretend like there's no cameras here, <laughs> and I am I like TV, whatever. I'm going to do these challenges, <laughs> and we're winning a million bucks. And you know, ultimately, I think you know I burned us out by the end because really, it's kind of more of an uh, how much resilience can you have in place in those last couple of legs. And are you going to get thrown off your game such that you just make stupid mistakes? Can you get enough sleep along the way? Can you, you know, keep your center, which by the end we couldn't, and we kind of self-destructed. So, you know, we won more legs than anyone had ever won. We, we, you know, ultimately we were kind of the dominant team of the show, but on the last leg, we ended up getting second place, which is, you know, first you guys, loser. You guys kind of got fucked in that though. I mean, I think it was, you know, I, I, it definitely was one of the things that you'd say, maybe there was some vibrational stuff going on right. because it was like, we were never going to win that last leg. Uh, right. We were never going to win that last leg. But it was, it was a flat tire that's that right. ultimately cost you, that's right. cost you the race. But that's that interesting thing where you can get into, uh -huh. well, was this and was that flat tire perfect chance maybe, or yeah. was it the fact that things were happening as they were supposed to happen? I don't know. I don't know what your what your metaphysical belief system is, but right. I would probably say that your guys' metaphysical belief system is you weren't ready and supposed to win that race at that That's point. Right. 
No, actually, when I look back on it, the fact that even coming back 15 years later, it was sort of, if you're looking at it from that kind of higher metaphysical state, this was a story arc that literally was over 15 years. Season five of The Amazing Race was the first time they hadn't cast a male-male alpha team. We were that alpha team. They specifically put us in there to be that. They knew we would be uber competitive and that we would win at all costs and that we would be fighting each other every step of the way. I don't even think they realized, though, how good we actually would be. And there for a while, they were kind of like, oh, no, they're just going to win our show and this is going to be boring and not fun. So ultimately, coming in second on that last leg was perfect for them because it kind of played this beautiful antagonist, protagonist energetically vibrationally. I mean, we weren't there. We weren't doing any of the work. We were winning basically based on our pure physical ability. Yeah. And force. Exactly. Um, and then coming back 15 years later, having gone through our own personal development and also a huge transformation in our relationship. I mean, really kind of going from level one to level three in terms of Tony Robbins relationship style and having a much bigger intention and a much higher motivation for wanting to go back on and really say, hey, you know what? Can we at an energetic level um, really work with and mold the energy such that the momentum is so great that by the time we do get to that last leg, there's no way we're not going to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I want to definitely dive into to your own growth process that allowed you to transition to that. But just talking about, there was more that kind of happened as the show came out. The reality show thing did the reality show thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like it made the specific little tricky cuts oh, yeah. that painted you guys as absolutely the villains of the show. And this is done by producers after all the recording. They kind of create the narrative that they want based on actual footage. You know, Man, obviously they have to use footage. Yeah, yeah. But they make a story. And the story they wanted to make was that you guys were the assholes. No, it, it was it, it was perfect because they know the entire outcome before they cut the first episode. Yeah. So it's great. They they know how it's all going to end. So then they can build this beautiful story arc. And why do you, you don't want everyone rooting for the team that gets second place. You want everyone rooting for the team that <laughs> yeah, ultimately you want wins, right? feeling good when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you guys get the flat tire. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so they, they have these, the famous scene from that was the scene where you're in some um, like rice field with an ox. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My ox is broken, which became like a book and a website and shirts. And it was like a big thing. I thought I was just being funny. You know, I knew that the ox can't actually did you, be though, broken. Did you think you were just being so funny? Tell, them, tell, them what the, tell people what the yeah. challenge was. So we get to this. So it was actually the, the leg of the race where the other teams all ganged up, us, ganged up on us and decided they were going to try to slow us down using this thing at that time called the yield, which basically slowed another team down by like 20 minutes and that really took us off our game i wasn't i couldn't get to a state of forgiveness i was in like oppression and victim and i can't believe it and we've been helping these other teams this entire time and they all backstabbed us and so i'm totally in my head we're in our heads we get to this rice field where it's like guide this ox around and have the plow try to dig up this clue that's somewhere in this rice field <laughs> well we got there behind the other teams and what Either they didn't show us or somehow, and again, going to your first point, was it, was it just a random chance or was it always going to work out this way? But somehow we, we don't end up learning that one team member can guide the ox while the other team member does the plow. All the other teams do it in that fashion. We think that 
one team member is not allowed to even be a part of it at all. And she has to stand on the sidelines, the other team. So I have the ox's reins and the plow, but they will only- I can do it all, everybody. That's right, that's right. I got this. Christy, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. You stay in the back. That's right. Leave it to me, the best racer of all time. That's right. And You're and, welcome, everybody. And the fun part is you can only put the reins on the left side of the ox. They will not let you put it on the right side. So I'm like, I'm in New Orleans here, except for my ox only turns left. And, and I'm basically water skiing behind this ox that's just dragging me around this field for, I think we were there for like 53 minutes until Christy is like, I'm just going to go walk around in this field and try to find it. And literally steps on the clue within like three minutes. <laughs> Good work there for the last 50 minutes getting dragged around the ox. Here's your clue, bud. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And meanwhile, you say your famous line as you're, as you're water skiing behind the ox. Yes. My ox is broken. <laughs> Yeah, no it end. would only turn left and it kept trying to leave the field it was definitely a broken ox like, i would just want to go home bro like, yeah. i'm not broken that's i'm just right. like tired i'm that's just it. doing my thing that's it. would you exactly. just stop just yelling oxen. at me <laughs> just yeah. let me ox yeah. yeah um yeah so all right so you guys finish second place get cast as a villains how was that emotionally when the show came out and you're like damn we're Man. looking like a couple assholes here I, I knew that that's where it was going. We were about, I think it was the Egypt leg where we were able to finagle getting in even sooner than most of the crew, almost beat the host into Egypt. Because in those days we were, all, the airport strategy was a big deal. And so really working the airport strategy and any new flight we could take and just doing everything that we could. Well, next thing you know, we're 12 hours ahead of team number two. And along the way, we end up taking a fast forward and we get into an argument five minute argument, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. We end up getting first place on that leg. Either way, we, we would do an interview at the end of every leg and they're focusing on the argument the entire time. Like nothing about the fact that we got 12 hours ahead. Like, like this was phenomenal right. Right, racing, right, right. right? And I pulled Colin aside and I looked at him. I said, you know, you're the villain. What? He couldn't, he couldn't imagine it. He's like, what do you mean? Uh -huh. I help all the teams. I love everybody. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is reality television. You're going to be a one-dimensional character, and you can tell by the questions they're asking, you are the villain. Like, get that through your head. So when you have, you know, like, think about this when you're making these decisions that you're doing. Well, of course, you know, that takes us to Africa, where he almost goes to jail because he's fighting the taxi cab driver over $50. Yeah, there's because, no good excuses for that one. Because. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually my low point. He, yeah, that was the lowest point, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the driver's driving on a donut, yes. Um, and was it, uh, you know, the, the day before, it was a much cheaper ride to the same place. But at the same time, it's like, he just wants to make his money. He's just a ta taxi driver in Africa. And Colin's like, no, I'm willing to fight this out and possibly <laughs> risk missing our flight. Um, but anyway, so... <laughs> I had told him a already. In there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's a handful. Yeah, <laughs> a couple. There's a couple. So I, I had told him, "Look, you're the villain." And it wasn't until we were actually watching the show unfold, and it would be over, and he would kind of give me that look, like, "Oh wow, you were right." And I was just. That's when I would get triggered. Was watching the show, and 
obviously thinking about what is everyone else thinking. I had ex-boyfriends call me like, where was that Christy? You know, because they kind of painted me into this doormat because having been in pageants, I'd sort of been trained in media and I kind of knew where they were taking us. So I'd kind of give them nothing and Colin would give them everything. So it would look yeah. like he was just this raging, abusive guy. And I'm just kind of meek in the, you know, looking out the window. And then they amplify all that. Of course, yeah. You know, of course. Um, so I think you realize that you're the villain when we get home. And um, I think he slept on the couch after every single episode. <laughs> and this is like, so like self-imposed or was that? No, no, no. <laughs> this is not self-imposed. And this is like six months later that it starts airing, right? We're on with our life. And then it starts yeah. airing and she's like, you're on the couch, bud. Like, I can't even not, look at you. I can't even look at your face. You know? <laughs> I told you this was going to happen. And yeah. I vehemently disagreed during that. I was like, no chance. They have to show the whole story. And she's yeah. like, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and that was tough, man. I bet. That was I bet. And that tough. also goes to I was something. getting hate mail and, you know, from all over the world. I mean, it was like, really, it was hardcore, like threats and like, you're the ugly American that gives America, you know, and it was all like, true you know what i mean so it was right. like pretty well, painful kind of true from exactly. what they saw yeah you know yeah. from the picture that was portrayed i did not make americans look good and and a lot of the things i actually did did not make americans look good so i mean it was it was just tough to like get all that reflection so that's, so that's a huge you know that's a huge opportunity to grow just yeah. receiving that and how you respond from that and for you that embarrassment probably was something that's you know, a lot of people have that kind of social embarrassment being the most, you know, the thing that's actually the hardest. Like mm -hmm. you, you talk to couples who've had, you know, infidelity and oftentimes the embarrassment to the peers or the embarrassment yes. to the public is actually harder than the fact that, you know, your partner was unfaithful or whatever happened in there. It's when mm -hmm. people know, then it becomes even harder because we so guard our ego, yes. so guards our reputation mm -hmm. as yes. if it's our life. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely my ego that had you sleeping on the couch, <laughs> for sure. And it was really the idea that I had been Miss Teen USA, and I had even been cast on the show because of it. And then here was my relationship, which just was not a relationship you'd be striving for, just laid out on television in the most ugly, shadowy sort of way for all to see. And it was it was almost more than I could bear. It was definitely a low point in our relationship. Yep. Not actually running the race, but watching the yeah, race. Running and the we race, never not so bad. Yeah, it was great actually. It was super fun. And what's yeah. what's interesting about the race is that it was so devastating to our relationship at that time that we we watched it when it aired and then that was that we never talked about the race we never watched it again it was like completely as if we had never done it yeah and it was we traumatic it was traumatic yeah. and we did not you even, guys are going to the f1 and you're like do you want to go to the thing where the cars go around in circles <laughs> yeah because you won't say the word race yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so it was interesting that a year and a half ago, I was looking up family shows. We have a seven and a 12 year old now, boys who love watching competition shows. And I was looking up top rated family shows and Amazing Race pops up. And I'm like, hmm, we haven't watched Amazing Race since it aired and our boys have never seen our season, obviously. Yeah. And I looked at Colin and I thought, you know, Amazing Race is top rated family show and the boys love competition shows. They've never seen our boys, season. Your boys happen after the race. Yes. Right. So yeah. Yeah, the first one came five years, four years after we did the did our first race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it was interesting because we were already deep down. I mean, I was already coaching. We were, you know, transforming our yeah, relationship. So, so talk about so talk about the years in between. Obviously, you have to, you know, go through that whole process, which mm-hmm. has growth mm-hmm. just naturally, inherently, whatever struggle I mean, that comes to you. <laughs> I don't think well, there was much growth for there me. There wasn't it was that like much a growth, lot huh? of like denial, denial and blame of the editors and being the victim and, you know, looking at the things that they chose not to show and knowing that I really did help those people. So right, the polarity, there was a lot of good and there was a lot of bad. All the bad was shown, all the bad was amplified. And so I wanted to only look at all the good that I did and complain that it wasn't shown. And so there wasn't a whole lot of self-reflection or realization. And so I continued those patterns for many years. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast as a freshie, you're coming off Halloween weekend, which for most of us involves some drinking. And even if you're not listening to this podcast fresh, there's probably always some excuse to do a little drinking or do a little partying. And so I wanted to share my own recipe for how I recover from a big night out like that. So I go into my pantry that night, and first of all, I start drinking water. I actually have a different strategy where I try to drink the most before I eat, and then after I eat, I kind of tailor it off. And that seems to have a benefit. I could probably do some research on why that's the case, but it probably just means I have more time to drink water. So that's step one. Step two is to remineralize because alcohol is inherently dehydrating. So part of the remineralization process is, of course, going to be some sea salt. But then another great product that on it has is the key minerals. Key minerals are going to boost your calcium magnesium, which are two of the key electrolytes that you're going to lose from going to the bathroom and trying to actually get the alcohol out of your system, which is why alcohol is dehydrating. But it also has a couple interesting things in it as well. So molybdenum has been shown to actually help the body deal with the excess amounts of a substance called acetaldehyde, which is one of the reasons why you feel crappy in the morning when you've been drinking. And molybdenum is part of that chemical process that the body uses that's in key minerals boron helps with all sorts of hormone optimization which is useful not particularly useful for a big party night and then of course there's iodine so key minerals are great i always take at minimum four of those before i go to bed and then krill oil is another key piece to my strategy before i go to bed i'll actually take like five or six of our krill oil little soft gels And that's going to make a huge difference as well because throughout the night, everything that you're doing is going to put you in a very pro-inflammatory state and the krill oil is going to help your body neutralize all of those different factors as any kind of really good omega-3 is going to do plus the antioxidants that come from the astaxanthin. So that's another helpful part of the process. That gets me into bed. And then when I wake up in the morning, that's when I reach for a combination of the Shroom Tech Sport, which has the adaptogens, things like ashwagandha, the cordyceps mushroom, and then the green tea polyphenols and all of the different things from the decaffeinated green tea that we have. And then I'll add a little alpha brain to wake up some of the neurotransmitters like acetylcholine. And then I'll add a single new mood pill because oftentimes sleep isn't that good when we've had a big night out. And so that's going to help restore the serotonin mechanism in the body as well. So that's kind of my life. Like big night out cocktail along with drinking some of the mineral electrolytes when I get the chance as just like part of those in-between drinks or as part of that kind of morning cocktail with the sea salt so for anybody who's had a big night or likes having big nights like this is something that can help 
mitigate some of the discomfort that you might be feeling the next morning. So I encourage you guys to give it a try. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey. You'll be able to save 10% off of all this. And if you try the recipe, let me know how you feel. Let me know if it works. Definitely works for me. Once again, go to onit.com slash Aubrey and save yourself 10%. So when do you guys think the growth started then for This you? guy I knew took us to Peru and we did ayahuasca <laughs> about five or six years what ago. What a crazy character that yeah. guy must have been. Actually, I, I was tracking it and then after the race, probably the next lowest point in our relationship was the rise and fall of DJI. So... I left my company, I was doing sports marketing, to go be Colin's director of operations as he was becoming the CEO of DJI North America and literally inventing the Phantom and that whole thing. And there we were working together for the first time again. So we were in college together, went to school, got along brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Then we did the race. That was not good. And then we kind of went our separate ways. We kind of had our own, I'll go do my job, you do yours. We'll meet at the end of the day kind of thing. And so now we're working together and I'm sort of his right-hand woman and it does not go well at all. I mean, we're right back to where we started this friction of who's gonna be alpha, who's gonna be in charge, who's telling who what to do. And, and this is maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And it well, just- Well, when I met you guys, DJ, that was still going on. So mm -hmm. it had to be like seven years ago mm -hmm. still, where mm -hmm. that was still, mm -hmm. still on the rise. Because I remember watching your congressional hearing where you were brought in about drone safety when they were yeah. worried that like drones were gonna, mm -hmm. I don't know, run into fucking helicopters or something. Yeah, I don't know what- crazy shit that drones can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when- he left DJI to go start 3DR, which was his next company. That was when I was, I bowed out. I was like, nope, I can't work with you. I can't work for you. Like, this isn't going to happen. And that was the first time in my life since I was 16 that I hadn't worked. So that I had actual time on my hands to just sit and be. And that was about six years ago. Mm -hmm. And in the process, it just became very obvious. Something's really wrong. Something's really wrong with like on the outside, everything looks really good, mm -hmm. but really on the inside in this relationship and internally here, something's really wrong. And we've got to start taking a look at that. So that's, that's when it starts. That's when I end up, I was going back to school to, I originally wanted to be a psychiatrist. Um, had gone into corporate communications, thank goodness, because that's how I met Colin at UT. Um, but this was my opportunity to go back into what I really wanted to do and happened upon life coaching and really fell in love with that. And the whole idea of deep diving into the self and optimizing who you could be. This is where I get introduced to Abraham Hicks and Joe Dispenza and really deep diving into self-love and integrating pieces of the body-mind that are literally stuck in the past, learning about vibration, frequency. And I start bringing that into our relationship. It's when I start meditating for the first time. I start doing energy work that um, has nothing to do with him. Like it was literally like I started playing with the energy. So he would come home, kind of be in work mode, be grumpy, whatever, leave the room. And I would go into a meditation and start kind of like five senses reality, imagining how I wanted him to show up and what it could look like. And I started really getting into the sensory of that. And then he'd walk into the room and he'd be a totally different person. 
It would yeah, blow my mind. And how? What was your what was your take on things at that point? Because obviously, this is a different world than anything that you'd been exposed to. So your wife's going down this pathway of exploring all these avenues. What was your What was your thoughts about it at that point? You know, it's it's really interesting how it all I think worked out. I'm, I my family were all hippies growing up. My dad, who was a physician, was also like hardcore hippie and told me about telepathic experiences that he had had and out of body experiences that he'd had, you know, going through medical school. And so like I was, we would go down to Real de Catorce and everybody was, you know, uh, going on plant medicine journeys down there in the desert. And so I, I kind of grew up in that world and was like open to all of it, but not really like, you know, and, and I had done the forum and I had been going to Esalen and doing like Jamie Wheels courses, you know. So you had some light exposure to I it. I had like some light exposure to it, but I was fairly disconnected to it. And I think there was like a big part of my ego that was like, eh, I'm not so sure. I'm pretty sure that's all bullshit. And, you know, really it's about what can you do in the world? What can you get done? You know what I mean? And, and like, so I had this exposure to it and I had this openness to it, but I think there was like a big part of my ego that was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm buying it. And then I saw like, as she was really bringing this into the house and how much she was changing and shifting, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, like I can see how this movie plays out. Like it's not going to be long until she's like, yeah, cool, bro. You can be here stuck in your ego. I'm out. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, cause she was evolving. She was evolving. You either had to evolve with her. You're either going to evolve with her. Or you get the, you get the permanent couch. That's it. Or you <laughs> yeah. get the permanent couch. And like, but, it, and it just very objectively, like, you know, that's for sure how this plays out. Like yeah. we're, we're not going to be in this drama triangle anymore and like, so I had like a little context around, you know, like I said, like, you, you know, I had some light exposure to it. And so, yeah, it just seemed like that was the obvious path. And, and, um, I think, you know, kind of from a philosophical standpoint, I wanted to be, you know, connected and open and like, we had been watching the secret since it first came out and what the bleep do you know? And like, I was being like in sales all my life and like fake it till you make it. And you know, that there's a lot of sales concepts and even like Think and Grow Rich, the Napoleon Hill book from like the thirties, mm -hmm. you know, I had read that, you know, in my sales career days. And so there was kind of like, I was like, Hey, I I'm the one that's supposed to be into all this stuff. You know what I mean? And here she is like really embodying this and like really shifting. And so, yeah, I think it was a, a, a why in the road for me to say, I'm either going to have to make this a priority and, and try to keep up and actually do some inward work here to grow with her, or she's going to vibrate out of my, ex, out of my existence. And that's you know? a, that's a, something that a lot of couples face because it's typically not both parties in the relationship that are going to be like, Hey, together, we're both independently at the same time going to that's decide right. to embark on that. We both suck the, we, and we <laughs> <yeah>. get better. <laughs> Usually like somebody leads, like somebody yes. goes first yeah. and like that person who says, okay, I'll go first. And that's like, that's the courageous and right act. And to trust that if your partner is meant to be your partner, they'll join you when you kind of show them, not like tell them about it. That's like if right. you just, you telling him about it wasn't going to really do shit. And but I you, would try. But you showing him, yes. that's, that's something that becomes undeniable. For yep. sure. I would get really excited and want to share some of the stuff that I was learning and he would completely he would get defensive he would he would reject it I mean we've talked about that there was like this as there has always been in our relationship um this underlying competition like who's going to be more conscious now you know and I, I didn't know that that was really going on this is something that you sort of opened up to me about 
Um, whereas for me, I was just feeling this sense of relief for the first time yeah. in forever because I have battled anxiety and depression my entire life. So what I was reading about vibration and all of this was like it made sense to me. It, it suddenly the world made sense when before it didn't at all. So I was really excited to share it with him. But prior to that all happening, I was actually our house had flooded. And I was living in Barton Creek, uh, the Using hotel. Using charger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to fill up the car. Yes. Yeah. And he was traveling. So I was living there with the boys and we were just not communicating. I mean, kind of out of sight, out of mind when he was traveling. Total lack of intimacy in the relationship and just feeling so like rock bottom, lonely. And I would say that I for sure had what I would call a dark night of the soul. Like it was just an absolute, because what I realized was how much I was attached to Colin, how much like my, like who I was, was attached to Colin. He was my family, he was my everything. And I had to get to this space where I literally thought of, if I am homeless with my children on the side of the road, like that's better than this. And that letting go, that sort of surrender, it just, it was like, <sighs> I breathe for the first time. And suddenly there was, it was like, likely i had no context then but my crown just sort of opened and there was a flood of consciousness that comes in and i could start i could see our relationship and the way it was playing out and my part in the play how much how i was showing up was contributing to just this very awful conflicting kind of relationship and that was when, like literally the next day, I end up watching a video that had to do with vibration and Dr. Emoto's experiment with water. And it really spoke to me and then went on this YouTube deep dive into learning more about what ultimately the very first coaching certification I go through, which ends up being this, this deep dive into my own self-reflection and then starting to introduce um, you know, all of these practices that I was doing on my own and that he was responding to. But to get to that place, I knew I, I had to have a resolve that I might lose my relationship with Colin. Like this might actually be the end, but I know that this is what I have to do. Yeah. And <clears throat> either he will respond and we might, because at one point we were attracted to each other. At one point we were completely resonant when we were in a beautiful space. So it was sort of like, I'm gonna get back there. And I know that if he got back there, we would be resonant again, but he may or may not. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah, you, you always have to let go you always have to surrender yep. and that's actually probably a good segue into we all went and did ayahuasca together at some point in that somewhere in that time frame maybe yeah, a little was, edged a little bit later than that yep. a little bit along the path after that but that's this it's the same thing with any plant medicine journey too it's like the power comes from the opposite thing that you've done your whole life to get anything done like you move forward through any plant medicine ceremony or any of these spiritual practices through the surrender mm -hmm. yep. and like that's where these plant medicines are so valuable is they'll teach you these universal lessons but they'll teach you in the microcosm of that one ceremony where the more you try to fight ayahuasca good luck pack a lunch because you're gonna be yeah, in there, gonna be there for a while you're gonna be there for a while <laughs> and then you let go and then you learn the lesson and you get to like 
assimilate it. So was that, for both of you, was that your first like really guided plant medicine experience was doing the ayahuasca or had you had some other kind of to intentional that de- experiences? With that degree of like ceremony and guidedness and intention around it, yes. We had yeah. done mushrooms with uh, Jamie and Julie and mm-hmm. Smith Mountain Lake and we had dabbled in psychedelics, but not really. This was the, the first deep dive into that. Right. And so what was that what was that experience like? I remember I remember bits of that, you know, but we had a we had a crew there. But what was that first experience like for you guys? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm always, you know, some of like my core tenants are that I'm I'm like I question everything, but I'm also open to anything and everything, right? Like I know that I don't know shit. Yeah. And so I always had that even back at that time. And so when you, you know, brought up the opportunity to go down there, we had looked into it and we're like, "Hey, you know, I feel called to like, check this out and see what this is all about. And I, you know, I had grown up, I've never drank still to this day. Like I never drank alcohol and I was always like anti drugs or anything like that and real judgy about it. So I only started, you know, smoking cannabis maybe a few years before that. And so to just jump right into like an ayahuasca experience, I had several friends who were like, that may be a bit much for you. <laughs> you know, I was like, ah, let's just do it. Yeah, yeah let's go. How, how weird can it get? Yeah. turns out it get pretty weird. <laughs> Um, and so I, uh, I remember at that time the experience was, was profound and that was what I really took home from it was that, okay, confirmed, you don't know shit <laughs> and confirmed there's something else bigger going on than you are aware of, or that humans in general are even meant to be aware of, but like you know, it, it, it shifted me from like, I think all this mumbo jumbo is kind of, kind of, you know, this is probably all BS to like, okay, yeah, there's definitely something else going on that's way bigger than me. And this is interesting. I'd love to, you know, try to tap into whatever this other level of reality is. Yeah. But made, I, that was it. That's all it like that was, it was a, but that was a big shift for me. It made the opening perhaps for yes. you to like receive some of the practices that, yes you had already been kind of deepening on your own. But when you open up to that thing, which is ineffable and cannot be explained and doesn't make sense in any of the strict materialist reductionist science books, and you feel that DMT chrysanthemum descend Mm -hmm. upon you and you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) There's some other things happening here. And when, you know, Maestro Alberto was singing Icaros to the bats and they started swirling around our maloca and we're like, wait, Wait, he's singing songs to the bats and the bats are responding like that's weird and the whole jungle and the, would respond. and the whole jungle was mm-hmm. the cicadas yeah. everything was in rhythm flowing yes. together like energetically connected not only with the people but with the whole ecosystem yeah. around us which it becomes a profound experience that takes this idea from something that you think you know to something that you really know like somatically like You've i've experienced this mm-hmm. yeah so that accelerates your journey and i want to get to this next race mm-hmm. and i know there's plenty more to talk about that but that definitely probably opened and then accelerated your own path yeah and recently we just got back from costa rica and soltar our most recent ayahuasca ceremony yeah. and i wanted to track that as well and i think we had not actually given reverence to ayahuasca and how it had that particular plant had affected our relationship because even prior to that i was 
doing the meditations and I was working with energy and a lot of these different practices and he was certainly responding, but I would still say we were, there was still a lot of trauma. There was still a lot of water under the bridge. I mean, it's 18 years we've been together this month. And, um, you know, by this point, we've been together 13 years, you know, at that point and had not had a 100, had not been completely open with each other about everything that was going on underneath. And it was after ayahuasca that we really began to open up that and share at the most authentic level in our relationship. And everything shifted. Everything shifted at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a massive acceleration. So if you listen to me talking about kettle and fire from my dinner party last night at the start of this podcast, let me talk to you about breakfast. Because breakfast for me involves either making a blended tea using the Vital Farms ghee or a smoothie where I squeeze a bunch of the Vital Farms ghee into the smoothie and make a delicious smoothie or a blended tea. This is like every single morning. And since getting the Vital Farms squeeze bottle, it makes it even easier because then I don't have to worry about scooping it out. I mean, I'm always kind of mindful. I live by myself, so I'm mindful of like extra spoons and silverware and like stuff I can do. Now it's just kind of like a one blender program. Like I take the Vital Farms Ghee, I squeeze it in the blender, I either pour the tea in and then I mix it with some protein or I mix it with some on an MCT or I mix it with whatever else I want to mix it with. And then I pour it in my glass and like I'm good to go. And then I can rage on through my morning, accomplish everything I want to accomplish, knowing that I have all of those healthy fats. And the advantage of ghee itself is, is it's taking and isolating basically the best part of any dairy, which is the fat itself from happy pasture-raised cows, and then allowing you to utilize that fat in whatever you want to do with it. I mean, you can put it on popcorn, you can put it on other like hard foods too. But for me, this is just something that I'm using in my teas and in my smoothies daily. So if you want to check it out and you want to get the benefits of having a higher fat diet, which I absolutely highly recommend. I mean, my diet has shifted way more keto and I have way more energy and way more mental clarity. So check it out, vitalfarms.com slash ghee, that's G-H-E-E. They got some different offers there to win a year's supply of Vital Farms Ghee and some Onnit products as well. So go there if you can. Otherwise, you can find it at Whole Foods Market and other places around the world as well. So please check it out, vitalfarms.com slash ghee. So then here comes this giant story arc that brings you back to where we started, which is, and talk to us about how that idea for The Amazing Race and how some of your own practices that you'd learned helped kind of potentially depending on your metaphysical viewpoint again it could be the nail in the tire or it could be this you know forces working with you or against you depending on your own resonance whatever you want to believe is fine but tell us how this next chapter of amazing race started and then kind of the intentions that you guys went into it because i thought that was really rad just talking to you guys about it even before you went so at this point when we decided to watch the race with the boys, it was an interesting experiment for us because obviously it was very traumatic the first time. So we were curious at this point, we had transformed our relationship. We had done a lot in personal development. We were curious to watch it and see what, how we responded and in, in, in all the different things, right? The myoxes broken, all the famous scenes. And really everything was funny. It was like we were watching two, <laughs> we were watching different people, uh -huh. you know? 
it um, and it was a beautiful opportunity to ha share lessons with our boys. So when they're, you know, of course, Achilles, our oldest, watching the African scene, he looks at dad. He's like, OK, dad, that took it a little <laughs> far. You had me until that. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, that's, and it's like, hey, just so you know, you came from that dude. <laughs> so yeah. you may want to take note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that might be in you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's so what just, lack of awareness looks yeah. like. Yeah. Keep yeah. an eye out for that. Yeah. Thing. That's right. And, 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 and saying, hey, look, people do um, shift because already at 12, our, our 12 year old lives with a lot of shame and a lot of guilt of how he shows up, you know, and, and really holds that um, in, inside himself. So being able to see like, hey, people make mistakes. You can show up this way. There's unconsciousness and you can learn and you can grow and you can evolve. So that was a beautiful thing that we were able to share with our boys. But by the time we're watching the season finale, we're in Jackson Hole for spring break. And I just here, we're on, we're on the mountain the next day. First of all, we watch the finale, we're feeling into. So when you're thinking of it vibrationally, like we are vibrationally in lock with like what it feels like to run the race, what it felt like, like, it, you know, because they bring in all the feels. And by the time you do get to the finale, even though we came in second, it was like, we're remembering how beautiful the experience actually was. So the next day we're snowboarding and it just pops in my head, text Lynn. And so then I share and with Lynn Colin. Lynn is your producer. Lynn is a casting director. Casting director. Who, who we hadn't talked to in 15 years. We didn't know yeah. she was still a casting director. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. And so he does while we're on the mountain. And by the way, we're on the mountain. We This is a hedonic calendaring of ours is one of the days that we go every year to Jackson Hole. He and I, just the two of us, we take MDMA and we go snowboarding on the mountain. So that's Sounds what's amazing. happening right now. Yeah. And hedonic calendaring is something for those of you who don't know that Jamie Wheel, Stephen Kotler put forward in their book, Stealing Fire, which is kind of a cool idea of setting out intentional time to do some kind of awe-inspiring experience. And that would certainly qualify, I yeah. would have to say. So we're really stacking it up, right? Yeah. Being, I mean, the Teton Mountains have crystal caves all on the back. You've got all the snow. I mean, it's gorgeous. And we like to do it because it's just a creative opportunity, too, for us to go, what are we going to create together this year? Sure. And so during that time, I get this hit, text Lynn, and suddenly it's like, what if we went back on the race? What if? And so then right there on the mountain, he texts her. If you ever want to bring old racers on, we're in. Just so you know, they wanted us to do the original All-Stars. We were pregnant with Achilles, so we couldn't do it. Mm. Anyway, she says thanks. That's that. But we go on to do a five senses reality on the mountain, what it would feel like, what it would taste like, what it would smell like if we were to go on the race. All oh the my. boxes it would check. Yeah, all the yeah. boxes. So things that I had been wanting to manifest, which was I wanted to travel more. I didn't want to plan the logistics. You know, we're busy parents. I don't want to deal with all of that. I wanted to spend more time with Colin because we're really busy. We don't get, get the chance to do that. I wanted to get paid abundantly for being me. That was a big thing. I want to get paid <laughs> abundantly for being me. And also, as a coach, you realize right away, you can read about this stuff in a book, but we all know this is about experience. This is really a show, not tell kind of thing. And I wanted an opportunity, having worked with different people, to really put myself in the ring and show this is what it looks like to maintain alignment no matter the conditions. When you're not 
calling the shots and you're exactly. not controlling yeah. the experience. You're thrust into their reality. Yeah, it's an opportunity for sur- intention and surrender. Yes. Both. Exactly. Yes. Which is like that delicate balance. Because sometimes balance. people think that those are on the opposite sides. You either have one or the other. But hand in hand. again, if you go into plant medicine, it is about intention and surrender. Set your intention. Let go of your intention. Allow the greater mind, allow the universe, whatever you want to call it to take over and actually guide you to where you want to go, which may go on this windy road that you would never expect, but you trust and have the faith that you're going to arrive some way, somehow at your intention. Exactly. That's it. And that was being on the race. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We had to complete surrender. But in that space, we just started dreaming into what if we did this and just put it out there. Three weeks later, they email us. As a matter of fact, we're already casting an all-stars. This is only the third one in 20 years. We're already casting an all-stars series. And if you're interested in going on the show, you're in. And we leave in June. And it just so happened that June was already a month where our boys were going to be at camp for three weeks, at grandma's for grandma one for two weeks, and another grandma for a week. So we didn't even have to deal with logistics. And work-wise, you were slow. We kind of looked at it, and it was literally like the Red Sea sort of parted. And when it's something this big that I'm wanting to manifest, I am looking at, is it ease and grace? Am I having to force this to happen? Am I having to make this happen? Or is literally like it just sort of unfolding? Like, yeah, there's work that needs to be done. And I need to, like, there's action that needs to happen. And at the same time, it's just sort of being handed to you. And the race was very obviously just being sort of handed to us, the way the idea came in, and then the way we were then getting cast. And um, it's just about getting your mind out of the way, right? Like a lot of yep. us get those little signals that might come in like, oh, you shouldn't holler at so-and-so. And we're like, yeah, whatever, I'll get to it later. That's right. And then you don't get to it later. And then the moment passes. Yeah. And then that three weeks of casting that they had, you text them a month later and they're, oh, sorry, it's too late. We, it it. would have been great. Ex- we just did it. this thing. Exactly. But it's just getting the mind out of the way and listening to those little cues, mm-hmm. the whispers mm-hmm. that yes. come, because it's always a whisper. Mm-hmm. Rarely is something mm-hmm. shouting at you like, hey, Hey, you know, Tex Lynn. That's you know, right. That's right. Exactly. Hey, hey, Tex Lynn. Yeah. Right. And, like, and then oh, it's what? not till later when you look back on it and go, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It was big. Yeah. 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 And we like to honor that when it happens. For sure. So, of course, when we, we go on the race, um, there we are at the starting line, you know, with Phil. And he's about to do his three, two, one, go. And we're looking around and they've cast people from Survivor and people from Big Brother. So that was another interesting element to this particular All-Stars is that it wasn't just former racers. It was CBS's other reality shows, Mm -hmm. which actually, you know, shadowy human behavior really does well in those particular shows. You really kind of have to be conniving and be one way versus another and sort of out of integrity to play that game. And we had already decided, look, we may go out on the third leg. We have to just completely surrender to that. But we really want to put ourselves into this container and work at a more energetic sort of fifth dimensional level rather than just looking at that three dimensional physical and see if we can influence the way the energy is working. And, also, and that sounds good in theory until you're yeah, actually on the line sure. and you're about to do it. For sure. But you had a, you had a commitment, even talking to you guys, you had a commitment 
to show the work that you'd been doing and to show your heart and to mm -hmm. like show that to the other racers, if nothing else, show that hopefully through the cameras, through the storylines, through every lens that they might show, show them nothing but that love and that consciousness that you guys had cultivated. And you were going to show them that no matter what and then trust that the outcome would be the outcome. That's right. But that was, that's it was like a faith. deep commitment. It was sure. a deep commitment that, that I, was that the I bigger, saw you guys. That was the bigger intention of the whole thing, right, is to, is to be able to have the opportunity to, to put all this stuff, you know, into real practice in this, like, really condensed way. You know, so much of the manifestation practices and the sex magic and all this stuff that we do in our normal life. You just dropped all... a word that we're going to have to get back to now. <laughs> there was an opportunity yeah. that we yeah. were going to be able to skirt by that, but now not. It's like introducing a gun in a five-act play. You know in act five, the gun has to go bang. So now you said it, so we got to yeah. make time for that at the end. Yeah. Yes. So there's, But in general in our life, there's all these different arcs, and we're like starting this project, and then this one's coming to an end. Like, you know, we just had a big manifestation process come to an end today actually and we're going down to Grenada to experience it tomorrow but like you know there's always different arcs going on and with the race it was like this very finite amount of time we're going to show up we're going to be thrust into their game we're not going to have text or email or phone or any communication with the outside world our whole job is to be as present and grateful and and in this experience as possible and we believe that the higher we're vibrating, so the more fun we're having, the more gratitude we're feeling, the more in love we're feeling with each other, the more good and, and awesomeness that we see in the other teams, like the more of those things that we bring in, the higher the likelihood is that we tune to that vibrational reality where we're crossing the finish line first. And we don't know exactly how that happens. And that goes that against was all it. conventional strategy. Yeah. Right, because as you said, That's like right. the most conniving and plotting right. and chess playing, and That's like, right. oh yeah, we're your friends, but actually we're not your friends. That's right, surprise. And, that, and that's like know? down to like every city when we're flying into the next location where it's about to be race on, right? And we see all the other teams that are starting to get real shifty eyed and starting to get that lizard brain, and they're looking at the other teams and they're talking about who are they going to U turn or who might U turn them. We're doing a gratitude practice where we're going team by team and talking about all the ways that we like and love individuals and teams. Even if they're hard to find, we're focusing on those things because we know that that's resonant with how we want to feel at the end of this leg. Yeah. You know? We know that, I mean, when you think about winning the race, if you're thinking of it in, sense, in, in terms of sex magic, which we'll get to, or five senses reality, it's like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And obviously it feels like joy. It feels like appreciation. It feels like love. It feels like bliss. So we know that if we can maintain that vibration as often as possible, we're creating momentum such that we become a cooperative component. So we're just a cooperative component. There is so much more going on, but at least there are multiple different realities out there. And many of those have Colin and Christy winning at the end of the day. So how can we, as one cooperative component, match that frequency? Well, let's get into love and gratitude and bliss as often as we possibly can. So yeah, starting each leg of the race, we would literally, it's called positive aspects. And we would think of all the ways in which we liked and loved each team. And the thing is, we really genuinely like, mm -hmm. it's not like a positive thinking sort of thing. We genuinely loved these other teams and they could feel it to such that when they U-turned us, because it turned out it was a U-turn vote and all of these teams, unbeknownst to us that we had been working with, 
decide to U-turn us. The next, we we survive and we actually beat all. That was of those the same teams. as what it used to be called a yield, right? Exactly. Like it's a way to slow down the team. Yep. That's racing exactly. Well. And what was also so encountered bovines on the leg where we got U-turned, <laughs> which ran into the woods, and we had to redo the whole challenge. I mean, the whole thing My was cow such a trip. Is lost. I mean, yeah. seriously. But, like, but there's yeah. so yeah, there's so many fractal moments that were exactly like season five. And so in this case, we get U-turned and now we have to make a headdress for a cow and it is a disaster. But instead of worrying about the cow being broken, we stay, I mean, we're like stay in flow state. That's really what we were getting into each one of these legs and start all over and ended up beating all of those teams. But the next leg, we're with two of those teams on on um, the, the plane. And they can tell that we genuinely forgive them. We genuinely do not resent them or hold it over their head. And it's like, hey, you're that's more. You're more than welcome to play the game any way that you want. And and we honor that. And they could really feel it. And what started happening is these teams, they started shifting. So to the point where there's a team, team fun, and they had fun meters that they would wear, and it would kind of show where they were at on the fun meter. So by the finale. They're awesome and pretty high vibing team. But at the same time, they could feel that, you know, it's one thing to put a happy face sticker on an empty gas gauge or to think positive. Like this is true emotional yeah, vibration. Embodiment. Yeah, embodiment, exactly. So these teams want, started wanting to learn more. So when you're not in the race, like behind the scenes, they start learning like, okay, what are you doing? Are you, you're, you're meditating? Okay, then there's this visualization. Like they really start wanting to, um, play the game at this level too. And Team Fun ends up making um, vibometers for us for the finale, literally Sweet. vibometers. And this is like buttons that they sell on their on their website. When I, I think they had this really interesting um, realization because they U-turned us because it was like, we're playing the game, how the game is designed to be played, which right. is you have the ability to slow down another strong competitor so that you can try and progress in the game. Like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But what they ended up realizing was that, and she shared this with us the next leg, she goes, man, we played, we had the worst leg that we've had because we were so in our head about being out of integrity with you guys because we had talked about working together earlier that leg, then we end up U-turning you and we end up running a really slow leg. And we made all these stupid mistakes because we just weren't in it. We weren't vibing high because we were questioning our decision. We were we were not feeling good about the fact that we weren't in integrity. And so now I get it how really all that matters is like, where are you vibing and what can you do to vibrate as high as possible? And like doing something that you said you weren't going to do is not a way to like vibrate super high. Yeah. We also have like an internal adjudicator that decides yes. what we deserve based That's on right. our actions. Yes. And so we will find a way to self-sabotage ourselves if we yeah, don't right. believe that we've acted in the highest integrity. Like we'll find a way to punish ourselves so that we can reach a level of like, okay, this is fair. Yep. So if we do something shitty, we'll call in shitty things to mm -hmm. punish ourselves for that shitty thing that we are judging ourselves for, which is why like whenever I talk to people, like forgiveness is one of the most crucial steps to even moving forward at all, because if you don't forgive Step your past, in. you're going to keep punishing yourself for the, all the things you feel guilty about in your past. And so your life going forward is never going to change because you're still paying the retribution yes. for what you feel guilty about. Mm -hmm. Step one. You know, so it's like mm -hmm. such a crucial lesson. And to see it actually, it plays out in every different field, but people don't talk about it or think about it as Man. much, you know, yeah. and, and it's cool. That's what was so cool about this experience is you guys got to do this 
in front of the whole country, in front of the country watching where this wasn't like, you know, Gaia TV. No. This is CBS Amazing this Race. Is, yeah. yeah. That's a, this reality cool. television. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was also very scary to surrender into because when you're talking about playing an energetic game, right? Or more fifth dimensional, it's like they're looking at you like you have two heads. Now, by the time it's all said and done, there's a couple of producers asking, now, what was that book you said? Now, what was that website? <laughs> yeah. I'm interested, you know, because you realize the proof is in the pudding and they're kind of watching. And I think they were also watching the transformation of the other teams because by the, by the end, these teams that were you turning us were teams that were actually helping us later in the season and then the producers are kind of like this is one of the strongest teams why would you even want to help them but it was sort of like actually what we've realized is collaboration over competition is really what's going to get us further in so the it's game more effective yeah it's more effective and that had really um it was a transmission and that was really what we were wanting to do we were wanting to do it with the other teams but really we were wanting to do it with whoever it could speak to that was watching the show was that this was a transmission that you know, when you see someone run a four minute mile, suddenly other people can run a four minute mile. So a big part of, and we actually wrote our intention beforehand. And a big part of that was modeling a level three relationship. So that was really important to us was to show the transmission of what a level three relationship looks like. So level one is kind of that tit for tat. What have you done for me lately? Kind of thing. The blame game. It's all your fault. Level two is where you see a lot of these more conscious relationships. You take care of you. I'll take care of me. We're good to go. And then we'll come together. And that's beautiful. And you can be great friends in that way, but there's really a lack of polarity. Level three is like, I actually get off on, you know, like doing things for you, on getting you off. He gets off on getting me off. So we were really- Now that's really confusing language after you've said the word sex magic, but whatever, <laughs> we're going I'll into it. it. So we're, we're going into it. So that's, so this was the segue into the sex magic because- Wait, we gotta, we gotta finish okay. the race before we yeah. get it. We gotta, cat, we gotta okay. lead people right. with the grand finale. Cause after we talk about sex magic, they're gonna be like, whatever, whatever. Yeah. All right, so you guys, one thing, like you get all the way through practicing what you've, your intention the whole way through. And, and I got to watch a lot of these. We go over to your house and watch these and watch this in action. But actually, like the most compelling clip I saw was something you just showed me right before the podcast, which I hadn't seen yet, which was on the final leg, you're assembling like a drum kit and you have to get it exactly immaculately perfect. And you got sweat like perfectly dripping off your brow. Like you guys have been working on this thing for what, two hours, you said? Yeah, at least. And so it's us and another team. Yeah. It's we just both have our drum sets completely completed. Other than like, we're both missing some little detail and it's just, who's going to figure out the detail first and go win a million bucks. And in that moment, you know, I watch you and it's actually on your Instagram for people who want to see this. That was your Instagram, mm -hmm. right? Um, you're actually saying like, okay, take a breath, like allow that greater knowing the help from the angels, the guides, the universe, allow that to telepathically transmit exactly what you need to do. And you just go <sighs> which was so hard that felt yeah. like an hour long <laughs> breath in that moment because my ego was just like no we need to solve the problem right now but yeah. it was just this trust in christy and going mm -hmm. okay we've been trying it this way for two hours now let's try to just take a breath and try to get out of beta and like drop in for a moment and and, and you know that's where the meditation practice allows you to just in a single breath you can kind of calm your nervous system down, 
Yeah, it was And then, okay, this is a minute Instagram clip, by the way. So you go through this whole process, take the hour-long breath, which was only actually a breath. Four seconds. And then, <laughs> and then immediately go straight to the problem. And, and that's legitimately how it happened. Yeah, like it's an instantaneously, uncut. I mean, it's, it's not cut. Yeah, that, like as soon as we just calmed it down, it was like, oh, what's that little lever right there? Click, boom, done, win a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Wild. It was like the final Super test. It was like wild. the final exam. It was like, the final exam. Can you keep, can you practice all those things in this heightened of a situation? Because it was like every leg leading up to it, all you had to do was stay in. Right, so like, mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. I don't really need to win this leg. We only won a f couple of legs along the way because it was yeah. like, hey, let's just be up toward the front. You know, it's all good. Well, now it's the last leg, and to not be attached to winning on that leg was super difficult for me. Yeah, that's a million bucks. That's a million bucks. Yeah, we're, that's what we're here for. We made it to the last leg, and if you go and be like, whatever, and get second or third, well, then you didn't win a million bucks. And so that ego part of me is like, no, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm going to get this done. And yeah, can you, in that heightened of a situation, do the counterintuitive thing of just slowing it down, taking a breath, and trying to broaden your perspective a little bit to let whatever else come in? You know, and it was, uh, it definitely increases your faith. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Because also throughout the race, you know, when you talk about there's no time and, 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 people can't really understand that but on the race it was very easy to when we were in the middle of a challenge and it was so difficult you could in that time and space imagine yourself and all your friends and family at home on the couch watching this playback and it was happening both at the same time and i knew in the case of the drums that they're highlighting because this is what the show does it highlights the one little thing that it seems so obvious to the audience at home but obviously it's not to the people in the game mm -hmm. and i knew and i could imagine people on the couch like yelling it's the lever it's the lever <laughs> so he mentions angels and guides and it's whatever you want to call it but essentially you're opening up to this infinite intelligence where all information exists and it's like if people are at home yelling to us what it is it's it's the whisper yeah. call in right it's the whisper it's the lever and i knew i was likely not going to figure that out i'm not an engineer like Wait, i just had a i just had a hodor moment actually she's like whoa call man in. there's so many things call like that dude. seriously call call in. In. Yeah. oh my god oh the door you, oh the door yes <laughs> i'm like goosebumps all over right now because the <laughs> number hilarious. of those that's yeah, hilarious. I had the same moment. <laughs> so, um, and, and I thought also, speaking of that level three relationship, <laughs> that that was beautiful. Yeah. Because it's yeah. the masculine feminine sort of working together, right? It's this sort of like masculine doer, doer, doer. And it's this feminine like, hey, let's just take a breath. Let's just get into this creative space into more alpha and see if we can access this information that's right there in front of us. Like it's right there. We have access to it. We just have to become the cooperative component. And I mean, it was just amazing to see it because the moment you took that breath, you looked over, you saw the lever, you flipped it up, and that was that. That was it. Off you go. And then you get to have that play out in this whole arc for the world to see. And, and all the people who might have been skeptical if you guys went in with that intention and all that, now there's a, an example of this style of living in this kind of cooperative 
energetically positive gratitude you know state that you were in actually causing a tangible effect of you guys winning the race yeah. and that's a pretty cool thing and still there could be doubters and skeptics oh well they were always really good they were going to win no matter what and whatever yeah but what happens when two or three other teams employ that same strategy and it starts working more and more often right right and that's the, that's the thing like the tipping point of this type of practice which you know fighters i mean i talked to a lot of fighters every one of them visualizes the, the great ones the great champions visualize themselves with the belt you talk about the five senses reality like when i was with tj dillashaw before he beat henan barrow like he felt himself receive the belt when yes. it heard the audience i could feel all that mm -hmm. same with cody same with like all the champions that have yes. surprisingly gone on to win they've felt it they've mm -hmm. like known they've known somewhere that that was the reality that they were going to enter it just hasn't happened yet mm -hmm. and i think that's like a a key factor and that's something that we don't typically apply to our lives but we should because man it's where it's at. And if we <laughs> feel the coldness of the metal on the belt in your hand, yeah. right. feel the sweat dripping down your face. And I the mean, smell like, of the leather dude, on the belt. Like yes. the, you know, whatever, every little aspect of the feel of the canvas under your feet. That's like, like that, my whole indicator is the more real I can make it in vision, that's when I start knowing, oh, wow, this is going to happen. Because yeah. I can more quickly access being there on, on the thing or at the place or, you know, and it's like, the, the faster I can put myself there and the more real that vision is of it, that's when I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and then that signals everything in your body to yes. actually get mm -hmm. you in that ideal state. I mean, it's it ties into so many elements. Dispenza talks about it a lot with health, yes. but also some other different aspects. But it's the same thing with winning a championship, with improving your health, with there's just and, and, different, and it, different parts of the machine that have to work to make this happen. And I encourage people who haven't listened to my podcast with Joe Dispenza, oh, like man. check it out. Yes. And like, t cause he talks about the epigenetic triggers that happen when yes. you live in the state mm -hmm. of health rather than living in the state of the disease that you're currently yes. suffering in or whatever the current state versus the future state that you're trying to create. Yeah, right. it all starts in the imagination. It's really what you're bringing forward, right? That's like the ethers, what Anahata talks about on your podcast as well with her. She mm -hmm. kind of lays that out. By the time we get to the finish line, that was such an interesting experience because there there wasn't this sort of like newness to it. It was literally like we were inside of a dream, like we had lived it so many times. Oh, here we are. This is exactly what I had imagined. And we kind of had a leg up having run the race and having ran to the finish line and knowing what that was like, even in yeah. second place we could kind of feel what it would be like in first place and that's all that's all sex magic is when we when we refer to sex magic good it's no good, good segue because we only got <laughs> we only right. got about nine minutes so, before we got to get out yeah. of here so it, it's good. it's no different than what joe talks about with you know get yourself into this state of you know no self no time kind of you know vibrating as high as possible unity consciousness tapped into infinite intelligence whatever that state is that you can get to through meditation well you can also get there through different sex practices right and different you know tantric practices that that we do and so when you you know obviously sex is the energy that brings life into the physical world right and so it's a pretty potent energy and if you can harness that energy and get to those heightened states then do your five senses visualization five senses reality and feel the canvas under your feet and the smell the leather in that state of super elevated vibration and and then you're doing it co-creatively 
and you're looking into each other's eyes and you're literally painting the picture of the reality that's going to exist as you run through the tunnel, as you run up to the mat and as the teams are cheering for you and they're happy that you won. Like when you're doing the, we're doing those practices all throughout the race and you know, it gets to the point where it becomes so real in those practices that, yeah, when it actually happens, it's like, yeah, yeah. like it, it was been, not, it was I've not ever going to happen any other way. I've been here before. And yeah. we would feed off of, I mean, there is an elation each leg of the race, the cycle of that. So the beginning is sort of like fighting lizard brain, right? Everyone's getting into it and, and no one's talking to each other and everyone's all shifty eyed and we would have to that was probably the most difficult to really stay in alignment. Once the leg starts, you kind of see where you're at. You're kind of ahead of the pack. And you're you in relaxing. the action. You're, you're doing the thing. Exactly. Yeah. But then when you realize, oh, we just won that leg or we're safe, the high that you're on. I mean, you are riding a high like no other. That's the perfect time to start manifesting. That's mm. the perfect time to segment in 10 and start visualizing what the, the next leg of the race is gonna be. And um, it, what and was- lock it in. Yeah, and lock it in. And it was interesting because we would have to fine tune that as time would go by because, you know, part of our intention finding alignment no matter the conditions, well, after, the leg of the race, we'd look and go, oh, that's why we got two hours behind. Fuck, you know, yeah, because you, you can't show that. alignment <laughs> if you're in first place the whole time. You got to actually get behind and then show people that it's a, you can find your way back in regardless of the hardship. Exactly. Regardless of the conditions. But we would really use that state to manifest. And then the sexual state. So Colin did not um, come the entire time on the race for like two weeks leading up and then the entire time on the race and i will say that what really i mean for one thing but i had not yet been able to achieve the non-ejaculatory orgasm <laughs> which i was aiming to try and get to before this experiment yeah, started for sure and i hadn't quite reached that yet and so it was just basically getting super super turned <laughs> on and having lots of sex and and chrissy being like we have to stop now and I'm like, okay, and so let's use this heightened energy. But yeah, that was that was interesting. But what was great about it is that obviously that juice, um, that energy living in him is is really being manifested and 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 aimed toward the actual race. But also, it really kept us really hot for each other, you know, mm, yeah. because there is yeah, yeah. no relief. There's no like, okay, now there's the buildup of the energy. Like the energy is building, 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 building over time. So, you know. The interesting, so if you look at like what Joe Dispenza teaches, he teaches a deep meditation, you know, the open open space mm -hmm. meditation yes. to get you to basically a zero state to manifest from. And that's one way to do it, to get you to a state of quiet, a state of stillness from which you can meditate from. But that state of pleasure, actually, like when you're in a state of pleasure, like the state right before orgasm or orgasm around there, that is also a state of stillness where there's basically one note that's going through your whole, right. whole body, no other thoughts or anything like that. Right. And it, it's almost and like- And you can get into a place of just observing it. Exactly. And, and like you're tasting the metallic taste of you know a DMT trip in that state. I mean, it's like- It's, it's like the most unified, I mean, if you do a 5-MeO DMT experience, it feels like a merge with the unicity of all things yep. in which you're just the singular note of like the universe compressed into a thumbnail of quantum potentiality where the big bang erupted from like yep. you feel like you're part of that and it's like one note it's like everything at the same time well as a human we can get there okay maybe we can get there through doing five meo maybe we can get there through getting to like a zero state in the deepest meditation of emptiness 
or we always kind of get there at the moment of orgasm you know like we feel we it's such an overwhelmingly yes, that's it. singular experience that you surrender to that moment for that's one it. moment and that break is something that we live for it's yes the pleasure but it's also wow the relief of the one note of like yes. unicity with self and ideally unicity with your partner at that point that kind of extend that merger. moment Okay, yeah, and then draw it out and then use that energy to manifest from just like you would use the zero state energy to manifest. But, but what's it, 100%. And then what's awesome is that afterwards, five, 10 minutes later, when you lay in bed and do a zero point meditation, that's like some of this quietest, stillest zero point meditation state I've ever been to is after a sex magic practice. So you ride the high of it and then you go into a super still zero point state where you're just like, it's all there and you see how it's all connected. And like the, I mean, it's like, that's those, some of the most profound space I've ever been in. Wow. And, and doing it together. So that's the other thing. It's kind of like wherever two or more gathered. I mean, certainly mm -hmm. sex magic you can do on your own, but really when you are in partnership with someone where both, you know, heart and pussy are connected, that is very potent, you know, and it's the feminine polarity that really um, carries the depth that you can go to. And so when she can fully surrender, when she has full trust, that energy that can be created that you can start to access, it is, it's, you, you have to experience it to know it, but it does, it feels like a five MEO experience, but all you've done is had sex. Yep. I get it. I get it. And it's points the way for people curious to <laughs> yeah. dive in. Down to Peru <laughs> yeah. Five or six yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, fam. And, and also another interesting thing, and I know I got to run here. I got to actually a call I got to get on, which is crazy because we're doing a podcast, which is way more important, but nonetheless, life beckons. But, you know, Whitney and I have gone through our own transitions and you guys have held the space for us through all that. And, you know, we're in a beautiful place right now. So I just want to also, not only for the lessons that you brought the audience, but also for just holding the space and, and loving her always, no matter what, and loving me always, no matter what, just the deepest gratitude and appreciation to mm -hmm. both of you guys for, for that as well. Man, Deep gratitude for you. Deep gratitude for both of you guys, you yeah, and for Whitney. for taking care of my little sister. Yeah, Thank you, brother. Sure. Yeah, you have, you've really hold, held space for her and it's been such a calming feeling knowing that, you know, you've got, you've got her. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah we've you. never doubted that through whatever transition of the relationship, like you can feel the deep bond, you know, yeah. that level of, of, of friendship, that level of tribe, that level of family. And that goes nowhere, regardless of how, what the, wherever Containers. you're at in the relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you. To the brother. end. Mm -hmm. To the end. I love you guys. Thanks love for coming you. on. Um, you guys too, got a website too, to point people to Colin and Christy.com Colin Gwen on Instagram, Christy Woods one on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Boom. We got a free course. It's yeah. all the, it's all the low hanging fruit shit that we, that got us from, you know, zero to one. Cool. Yeah, there's some tantra practices in there, some fun stuff yeah. to learn about if you're curious and want to learn a little bit. Orgasmandmeditate.com. There you go. <laughs> Dude, I'll find it. it right now before this goes live. Yeah, there it is. All right. Awesome. Love you guys. Thanks Love so you much. Love you too, brother. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, everyone. I just want to take a moment to thank everybody that leaves a review on iTunes and sends me a DM and reposts these podcasts. Like, it all really matters. You know, I think you might have an idea that this stuff doesn't matter to people. We're just putting it out and it's a big machine. It's not. 
you know, I'm taking a look, I'm seeing what people are posting, I'm reading what you're saying, and I'm, I'm hearing, I'm listening, and it matters. So I just want to encourage and thank you guys for all of that that you do, whether it's posting to your DMs or whether it's writing a review, everything like that really counts and really matters. So thank you so much to all of you, and I'll see you next week.